James Kennedy Ministries presents Truths That Transform. Our culture believes that we look inward to find God and that whatever we believe about Him is true. But are they right? If you can falsify the Christian faith by showing the resurrection didn't happen, you're fully justified in walking away. So we look at the evidence. The most important question we can ever ask is who is God? And there are true answers to that question. Find out more on today's Truths That Transform. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Does God exist? If so, what is God like? Can I know him? Does he care about me? These are fundamental questions that human beings have asked throughout history. They are the most important questions we can ask. But more than ever before, people here in the Western world are convinced there are no objective answers to these questions. Are they right? Well, on today's program, you will discover why the Bible can be trusted as the word of the living God. And we begin with the story of a man who, like many today, had decided that the God of the Bible did not exist until he actually set out intending to disprove Christianity. I've spent my entire career as a journalist uncovering the truth until the day my wife presented me with the biggest story of my life. I'm not going to lose my wife and my kids to something that I can't even reason with. And what happened next changed me forever. The Case for Christ movie dramatizes the real-life events of Lee Strobel, a self-proclaimed atheist who discovers that his wife, Leslie, has suddenly come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mom, hmm? who's Jesus? We are atheists. Atheists don't believe in God. When I became a, a believer in Christ and I came to Lee and talked to him about that, I could just sense a wall going up um, emotionally. I talked to Jesus. I, I told him I want him in my life. You what? Why? Why would you? Verbally, he was pretty, pretty adamant on how he felt about things. He told me that he didn't want me going to church. He didn't want me giving them any money. And uh, he didn't want me to be bugging him about going with me to church. Well, you know, my background's in journalism and law, so I tend to be someone who responds to evidence and facts and data. So um, I think that that was a contributor to me being an atheist. I wouldn't say it's the only contributor. Uh, I think it usually isn't for people. I think intellectual obstacles can be a problem, but there's also emotional issues and, and moral issues. You know, I was, a ha I was happy in my sin. I didn't want to change my life. And, you know, I had a difficult relationship with my father. And often, as we've seen through history of famous atheists, that that can lead to people who are reticent or reluctant to meet a heavenly father if their earthly father's hurt or, or disappointed them. Yeah. 
For Lee, he needed facts. He wanted to know uh, the history that it was involved. He needed to know exactly what there was out there that he could look at and investigate to know whether the claims of Christ were true. For me, I didn't need that. It was a personal relationship right off the bat for me, and God made himself very clear to me in just reading the scriptures and having them come alive. That the fact that the Gospels are filled with contradictions about the empty tomb, okay? If I turned in a story that was this jumbled, I'd be out of a job. In response to his wife's newfound faith, Lee Strobel set out to prove her wrong. As an award-winning investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, Lee made it a project to disprove once and for all the claims of Christianity, specifically the claim that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Sure, there are differences, but that doesn't trouble most historians. Why? Why doesn't that trouble? It troubles me. It should trouble them. Because the core... First Corinthians 15, 17, where he said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. So, um, in a sense, he's saying, you can, if you can falsify the Christian faith by showing the resurrection didn't happen, you're fully justified in walking away. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, it's a house of cards and it was uh, just a, close to a two-year investigation process, but one that really, at times, uh, had us both wondering whether we would survive it. Do you really want to know the truth, or is your mind already made up? In his effort to disprove it, Lee Strobel had to take an honest look at the evidence for the resurrection for the first time. So. We look at the evidence. What is the evidence? Well, first, the execution of Jesus is historically indisputable. Um, we have five ancient sources outside the Bible confirming his execution. Even the great atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludemann, says that uh, Jesus' death by crucifixion is indisputable. Secondly, the empty tomb. Uh, you know, what hit me about that is even the opponents of Jesus conceded that the tomb was empty. And we have sources outside and inside the Bible that tell us that when the disciples began proclaiming that Jesus had risen, what the opponents said was, oh, well, um, uh, the disciples stole the body. Now, what is that? That's a cover story. They're conceding the tomb is empty. They're trying to explain how it got empty. So nobody was saying that the tomb was filled with the body of Jesus. Everybody was saying it was gone. And then thirdly, and, and perhaps... The, mo the clincher is that we have nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. That is a, an avalanche of historical data. When you consider most of what we know from ancient history is from one or two sources, but nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament, that is a convincing um, amount of evidence that, that convinced me that the disciples um, um, encountered the resurrected Jesus. It changed their lives. It changed everything about them. They were willing to die for. We have seven ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament that say that the disciples were willing to suffer lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation. After close to two years of investigating the evidence, confirming the reality that Christ indeed rose from the dead. It was time for Strobel to reach a verdict. So I sat down, reviewed all the evidence, and realized that in light of the avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully toward the truth of Christianity, it would have taken more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian, that the scales had tipped decisively. 
So I, I, I believe it. I believe based on the data that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he backed it up by returning from the dead. But that's not enough. Because I looked at John 1, 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in his name. So I said, okay, that forms an equation of what it means to become a child of God. Believe plus receive equals become. The, the Sunday afternoon that Lee became a Christian was just one of those that's burned into my memory because it was, first of all, a surprise. I had no idea he was that close to becoming a Christian. It's not just knowing. It's, it's not just believing. There's receiving. And so that next step of saying, um, you know, repenting of your sin, confessing it, turning from it, receiving this free gift, free gift of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says you become born again. Then you become a child of God. Now you can have a relationship with God uh, that will be the biggest joy of your life in this world and then continue on in a perfect way in the world to come. Lee Strobel set out to disprove the claims of Christ, but his investigation led him to the truth of Jesus and of the Bible. Human beings at all times and in all places have had questions about the nature of God, but if the Bible is truly the word of God to us, then God has revealed most of those answers to us. So, is the Bible the inspired word of God? Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy to answer that all-important question. I don't believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. How many times in my ministry have I heard someone make that statement? I don't believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. But I have never yet met such a skeptic who has so much as read one book which sets forth the evidences for the inspiration of the Word of God. So the question before us today is, is the Bible the Word of God? Well, it certainly claims to be so. In fact, several thousands of times in the Bible it claims to be the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord appears hundreds and hundreds of times. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus spake the Lord God Almighty. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what evidence is there for this? Well, let me say, first of all, that in Deuteronomy 18.22, God tells us how you may know if a prophet is sent from him. He says that if a prophet speaks a word and the thing follows not nor comes to pass, then that prophet has not been sent by me but has spoken of himself presumptuously. Thou shalt not fear him. Now God, who alone knows the future, which turns on many slippery and very tricky ball bearings, as one historian said, God alone can prophesy the future. And the scriptures are unique in that in the Old Testament alone there are, are over 2,000 
prophecies which have already come to pass. There is nothing vaguely resembling this in any other book in the world. The other 26 volumes that claim to be divine scriptures or are claimed to be by their followers, since many of them make no such claim themselves, these have no specific predictive prophecies. There are 333 of these prophecies which deal with the coming of the Messiah alone. Unparalleled in all of the writings of the world, there is no other individual in the history of mankind whose entire life has been detailed prophetically, predictively, by over 300 definite, specific prophecies concerning his life. The other 1,700 or so prophecies of the Old Testament deals with most, deal with most all of the cities and nations that were contiguous with or anywhere in close proximity to the land of Israel. And all of their future destinies are outlined for us in those prophecies. I have gone over those before. They exist in a number of my messages and books. I will not take the time to deal with them here, but rather would just deal with three other aspects that lend credibility to the inspiration of the Scripture, though the major emphasis of the Scripture itself is in those several thousands of specific predictive prophecies which are not vague, cannot have been made after the events, and uh, definitely could not have been known by the people who made them. But first of all, let's consider the creation of the Scripture itself. It's miraculous birth, like the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, the written Word of God has had a supernatural or miraculous birth. It is unique. There is no other book that was ever brought into existence in this way. Most books are written by a single author. Sometimes there are two or more that collaborate. But in virtually all cases, these are people who live within a single generation. The Bible, however, was written over a period of about 1,600 years, which encompasses 55 generations written by people living on different continents in numerous different countries, speaking different languages from different backgrounds, from kings to shepherds, from fishermen to physicians, from herdsmen, publicans, and Pharisees, all kinds of different backgrounds and writing in different literary genres. For example, law, history, poetry, prophecy, biography, apocalypse, and epistles. 66 different books, an entire library which make up a single volume, the Holy Bible, which has one single theme, the divine redemption of man by the gracious triune God. There are thousands of different color strands that are woven by the Holy Spirit into a single harmonious and beautiful tapestry. Its message is always the same in every book. It is generation, degeneration, and regeneration, the theme of the redemption of men. It is paradise lost and paradise regained. There is a central figure that is found throughout these scriptures, either in prophecy, prediction, or in reality in the New Testament. And that picture 
is the second person of the triune Godhead, Jesus Christ, the divine God-man, the redeemer of men. As Jesus Christ is a universal person who appeals to both men and women equally to the aged and to the young, so also it is true with the word of God. Coleridge said, in the Bible, there is more that finds me than I have experienced in all of the other books put together. The words of the Bible find me at greater depths of my being. And whatever finds me brings with it an irresistible evidence of it having proceeded from the Holy Ghost. And the author Hine said, what a book! How vast and wide, as vast and wide as the world, rooted in the abysses of creation and towering up beyond the blue secrets of heaven, sunrise and sunset, birth and death, promise and fulfillment, the whole dream of humanity are all in this book. And so from the king on his throne to the cobbler in his cottage, from the headhunter in New Guinea to the harpooner in Iceland, from the illiterate to the most literate, from Shakespeare and Milton, to Newton and Faraday and to millions upon millions of others. It has appealed to the deepest needs of their heart and has transformed the most inveterate and hardened skeptics. To wit, General Lew Wallace, who set out to write a book which would destroy the deity of Christ and present the Bible as a fraud. When he made his historical investigations in order to do that, he found himself converted by the power of the Son of God presented in that volume. And he wrote his book, a book extolling the deity of Jesus Christ. You know it well, its name, of course, is Ben-Hur. Or the lawyer, Morrison, who set out to disprove the resurrection and to prove that the biblical accounts of it were fraudulent, and this lawyer's mind, which probed so deeply into the evidence, discovered again that the Bible was true, and the first chapter of his book is entitled, The Book That Wouldn't Be Written, the book that demolished the resurrection turned out instead to be a book that defended it more ably than most have done. Henry Stanley said that in 1880s when he entered into Africa, he was the most swaggering atheist in the world. And then he came upon David Livingston there in the depths of the jungles of Central Africa. And he lived in his tent for months, and he met a man so mild, so meek, yet so firm and so definite in his purpose and desire to proclaim the gospel, and he listened to him read from this little book day by day. And the result was that the greatest swaggering, most swaggering atheist in the world was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and brought to the Savior. But my friends, I would remind you that in spite of all of that, that though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, that if he be not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. Has he been born in your heart? His words are true, both of comfort and peace and of eternal life to those who will repent of their sins and trust in him. 
and of judgment and condemnation and eternal perdition for those who will reject him. It stands sure. It is the very word of the living God written in characters of light, and it cannot fail. The promise is most gracious and glorious. He died bearing your sins upon him that you might have the free gift of eternal life. And if you have known him and have been neglecting his word, it is life, it is food, it is drink to the human soul. I urge you to avail yourselves of it regularly. And may God, by his inspired word, quicken, refresh, and satisfy and ennoble your life. The theological term for what you just heard from Dr. Kennedy is apologetics. Not in the sense of being sorry, but in the sense of making a defense. It comes from the Greek term apologia, found in 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, an apologia, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, the scripture says. Many today believe that religious faith is simply an irrational, blind leap of faith. As the skeptical wit Mark Twain put it, faith is believing what you know ain't so. But as amusing as Twain could be, he was completely wrong. As Dr. Kennedy, Lee Strobel, and many before them discovered, there are excellent rational reasons for believing that God exists, that the Bible is his word, and that his son, Jesus Christ, died and rose again from the grave. Dr. Kennedy wrote the classic book, Skeptics Answered, to share those answers with others. In it, he addresses the most common arguments that have kept people from the Christian faith and lays out the case for believing in Christ, all in clear, easy-to-read language. We'd like to send you his book as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry stand for truth and defend freedom. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. Skeptics Answered is perfect to share with those you want to come to faith in Christ. And it will also bolster your own faith. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will include a DVD of celebrated actor Max McLean's dramatic presentation, C.S. Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert. C.S. Lewis was perhaps the greatest and most influential defender of the Christian faith in the 20th century. But he spent more than a decade as an atheist. Max McLean brings Lewis to life as you embark with him on his journey from hard-boiled skeptic to the most influential Christian writer of the past century. 
whose books include the classic Chronicles of Narnia. The Chicago Sun-Times called the most reluctant convert bristling, provocative, and highly entertaining. We will send you Dr. Kennedy's book, Skeptics Answered, as our thanks for your generous donation. And in appreciation for your support of $50 or more, we will include the delightful drama, C.S. Lewis on stage, The Most Reluctant Convert, with award-winning actor Max McLean. And as you give, you will be helping us change lives through Bible-defending, gospel-promoting, truth-proclaiming television programs, DVDs, books, digital resources, and so much more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. Jesus is unlike any other religious figure who has ever lived. The historical details of most other religious leaders' lives don't really matter all that much. The important thing is their basic teaching. But it's different with Jesus. His teaching is monumentally important, but it is secondary. The reason that Jesus Christ came into the world was to live the sinless life that we have each failed to live to die on the cross for our sins and to rise from the dead so that we can have eternal life. The Bible tells us if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. What we do with the real Jesus of recorded history, his death and resurrection in Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago, is the most important thing about us. It will determine whether we spend eternity in heaven or in hell. The Bible also tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What about you? What have you done with this Jesus? If you do not know him, today could be your threshold to everlasting life, something Jesus offers you as a free gift. All you need to receive that gift is to trust in him and receive it by faith. In fact, if God is speaking to you today, you can pray with me right now from your heart. Dear Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner who deserves condemnation, but I also believe the Bible's testimony that you died for me and rose again from the dead on my behalf. I want to turn away from my sins and receive you today as the Lord of my life, as my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Dear friend, if you sincerely prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a vital resource we would like to send you at no cost or obligation to you. It's beginning again. Dr. Kennedy's book, for new believers to guide you in your relationship with Christ. Contact us to receive a copy today. And may God bless you as you do. D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for being with us 
Here's a look at the next truths that transform. I looked at every possible atheist explanation. All of them have deal-killing flaws. The only flaw in the Christian explanation is that it requires a supernatural resurrection. And for a lot of people, that's enough of a flaw that they're out. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.